Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm, and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm slash partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Anna Sheridan, missing for nearly six months now. That's not possible. Someone with a more vivid imagination might decide she'd pierce the veil. There's no place for ghost stories in this investigation or any other. I need you to find me. The Sheridan Tapes, a serialized horror mystery podcast. Stream the complete series today on Realm and on all podcasting platforms. Realm presents Bullet Catcher, Season 3, Episode 16. After Watertown. The air grows cooler as we climb higher through the switchbacks, carved by an old stream, long dry. Now round gray stones mark the path, making hard work for the horses. Pine trees line the path on both sides. Dry brush, deer leavings, wolf tracks. All the way home. The creature sits in a pack on my back, peering over my shoulder like a tiny sentry. I say tiny, but she's gotten bigger in no time. Probably because of Nack's cooking. He spoils her. Do you need me to take her? He shouts from his horse, behind me. The creature laughs at the sound of his voice. We're almost there anyway, I shout back. Now the trees grow denser. That familiar smell of pine and wet earth and altitude. A flash of that first time I came here, after crossing the desert, following Lobo out of sand, stumbling into the clearing where he was waiting for me, unsurprised, uninviting. And here it is now, our old home, where I spent my first year learning to catch bullets where I was reminded what it was like to have a family. The woods open up into the clearing, and it's all still here. Lobo's lean-to, sagging from rainwater collected in the animal skin ceiling, and half-collapsed from neglect, and my smaller home, disintegrating beside it. I swing off my horse and walk by the old fire pit, a small circular black spot in the earth. I stand Lobo's rocking chair up, where it had fallen on its side next to the pit, and resist the urge to sit in it for fear that it will fall apart under my weight. I find one of his pipes, half buried in the dirt, and I pull it out and brush it off, holding it up for the creature to see, and she takes it as happily as if it were a toy horse or a doll. It still smells of tobacco. Max stands at the edge of the clearing, giving me space. He knows that if he speaks, it will be an intrusion, a bit of the present breaking into my memories of this place. And though when it happens, it will be a happy interruption. He holds off for now. 
I take the creature down to the lake, where I take her off my back and watch as she waddles along the shore, where she picks up a stone. For all I know, one of the very same we used to scratch the dirt from our tired bodies so many years ago. And she hurls it as hard as her chubby arms can manage at a line of ducks near the shore. For a time, she watches her reflection in the water, wavering with the ripples from her stone. And then I pick her up and put her on my shoulders, and she laughs and pulls my hair. Such a happy child. How long can we keep that going? Nico tells me she reminds him of me when I was a baby, but I'll have to take his word for that. I've spent so much time being angry or fearful or both that it's hard to remember a time before. But I guess that's all part of growing up. First, you're only amazed at the size of the world around you, and you become frightened by the scale of it in relation to you. Then you learn to accept it, to get by, to hold close to the things that keep you going and make you happy, despite everything. I had happiness before the creature because I had Lobo and Cass and Heartrate and Nico and even my parents for however brief a time, but I didn't realize it until the creature came around. Only a fool says it's night when the sun hangs so brightly overhead. And that's what she's done. Filled my life with so much light that everything else I have or had has become that much more apparent. Sometimes it makes me sad. I wish I could take back so many things. I wish I could start at the beginning again, knowing what I know now. I'd have followed Lobo out here to this lonely mountain, and we'd meet like old friends who have already gone on so many adventures together. And instead of going through all the pain and heartache again, we'd go out and find Cass and Nico and Heartright and Knack and ride off into the sunset and never look back. One big family. It doesn't work that way, though. You can't start at the beginning knowing where you'll end up. We climb back up the path and back into the clearing. Knack has attached feed bags to the horse's muzzles and dared to enter the clearing. I watch him for a time as he explores, running his hands over the old clothesline, somehow still taut, nudging an old rug that we'd left hanging and that fell some time ago and is now decomposing among the pine needles on the forest floor. He finds a stack of Lobo's old cast iron cookware, turned orange with rust, flaking away like brightly colored paint chips. He kneels at the entrance to my lean-to, peering inside. See anything interesting? I say, announcing myself. There's not much left, I'm afraid. In those days, I didn't have much to leave behind. Everything that mattered I could fit on my back. He stands and smiles. It's still that way, he says. Not quite, I say, poking him in the ribs. And he pulls me in and holds me. We stay the night on the mountain. We make a fire and Nat cooks dinner. I tell stories of my time with Lobo to the creature, who stares wide-eyed at me from the safety of Nack's arms as I dramatically retell our adventures. She probably doesn't understand a word. Probably for the best, given the content of the stories. All the same, Nack puts his hands over the creature's ears whenever I get to a particularly bloody episode. Someday, when she's old enough to understand, I'll tell her these stories again, so she knows all the things that led up to her, because that's how it feels to me that it was all leading up to her. And maybe one day she'll feel the same way as she retells her life to her own daughter. When we're young, the things we do, the choices we make, 
We believe her for ourselves, but really, it's all for those that come after us because they are the ones who will have to live with the consequences, the good and bad. Maybe in the end, that's why I came back to Watertown. Because if I have a choice of where my daughter will live, between Watertown and anywhere else, I choose Watertown. Because there's some amount of hope in it. That night we sleep under the stars, and I point out constellations until we're all too tired to keep our eyes open. When I wake, Nack is already up, making breakfast. I take the creature down to the lake and we bathe together, the bar of soap we brought with us floating on the surface of the water like a tiny boat, and the creature splashing with all her might trying to sink it. Breakfast is ready by the time we return, and we sit in carefree silence as we eat. Are we staying another night? Nack asks as he scrapes the remnants of his food into the fire. There's not much left sticking around for her, I'm afraid. We could fix things up, repair the lean-tos and whatnot. All things disappear, my love. We're afraid to admit it, but that's how it goes. So then where does this immator take us next? Sand? Us stole us? Cass's homestead? I gaze around the circle that I once called home, that I had hoped, at one time in my life, to never leave. And I'll feel small, distant, a memory. Nothing I love is here anymore. I turn to Nack and smile. What say we head back? To Watertown? Nico and Rainer will wonder why we're back so soon. And we'll tell them that I was feeling homesick. He smiles at that. And we load up our packs and ride our horses back down the mountain. Back toward home. Mist falls heavily over Watertown. Here, up on the hill, where the gravestones stand gathering moss beside the unfinished memorial to those who died at the last standoff with the gunslingers, the air is cool. No matter the time of day, the light merely fizzles behind the gauzy white mist. First, I do what I always do when I visit Cass and Lobo. I clear the fresh vines, climbing up the sides of their stones. Then I change the flowers and trim the grass sprouting up from the low mounds. This time, I've brought a little snake bite. I pour a little out for each of them, wetting the letters of their names. And then I cork it and sit it between them so they can fight over the bottle. This is your family, I tell the creature. But she seems to know all on her own. Whenever we visit, she toddles around the stones, running her little hands over the letters, playing with the flowers. Here, I tell her about Cass and Lobo, as good as her grandparents. Neither of them much got around to telling me about the people they were before they were bullet catchers, before the fighting. I have to fill that in for myself. They were children once, like I was when I met Lobo, and before that they were babies, like the creature is now. Innocent, without anything more dangerous than curiosity. It's been almost a year since that last standoff with the gunslingers, and we haven't heard a peep from up on the plateau. The pass has remained quiet, with only the occasional traveler who blows in from the Northland, who assures us all, after we've plied them with enough drinks down at the saloon, that damnation is still up there. That yes, there are still plenty of gunslingers in the Northland, but that no, they hadn't heard anything about them coming to blow down Watertown. We still get the odd gunslinger passing through. Usually old-timers who don't mean much harm to anyone, 
But sometimes a person, young or old, does come having heard of the bullet catchers of Watertown and wanting to cause a ruckus. They don't last long. There's only so many times you can shoot at a person without killing them before you give up. It's amazing what they go through as they realize how impotent their guns are here. It begins with disbelief, then amazement. Then amazement turns to frustration and anger. And sometimes you see a little something in them break when they realize this thing they ascribed so much power to is really nothing at all. And then they feel like nothing at all. And soon they leave. Some have even left their guns behind to add to the wall in the saloon, where we've mounted the other guns all those gunslingers abandoned the night of the standoff. Almost a year, and Watertown still stands. I like a story that will take me to extremes. And nothing says extreme quite like The Last City, a new Wondery podcast available now. Set in 2072, the city of Pura is a geo-engineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image, which, given its promise of being a miraculous green haven in a climate-ravaged world, shouldn't be too hard to sell, but things are not always as perfect and shiny as we'd like to believe. When she stumbles upon a dark secret that could lead to the downfall of Pura's existence if revealed, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. We'll see how long we can keep it going, I tell Cass and Lobo. And I hope it's a long time, because this is what they fought for. And as long as Watertown lives, so do they. I thought I'd find you two up here, Max says, making sure to add a disapproving edge to his voice. Need I remind you that your brother is getting married in less than an hour? He comes over and lifts the creature into his arms. Look at the state of her. She's got mud all over her dress. A little mud never hurt anyone. He looks at me, the creature in one arm, and his other hand planted firmly on his hip in exaggerated disapproval. And then he sighs and looks at the creature. Let's get you cleaned up for your uncle's big day. Then he lifts the creature onto his shoulders and begins the walk down the hill, back to town, calling over his shoulder, If you're not down there in 45 minutes, I'm sending the sheriff up to collect you himself. (laughs) I watch him go before turning back to the gravestones. As you two can see, things have changed quite a bit. Nico's getting married. The creature is getting bigger. Mac and I are doing well. And most of all, there isn't some new gunslinger looking to kill us every other day. Still, I don't know why, but sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night with my heart racing, like there isn't enough air. And I go to the creature's crib and wake her up just to hold her. Max says it's just me worrying because I've done it for so long and don't know how to quit. A breeze passes the graveyard, flattening the grass, making the flowers tremble. I watch it pick up some leaves and send them tumbling away. What I'm trying to say is that I wish you were here. I wish you'd had a chance to meet the creature, Lobo. And I wish she had a chance to meet you. There's so much you could teach her that I'm not sure I know how to. I don't know if I'm ready to be the adult. Down below, the band starts playing. Just the first few seconds of one song, then another, practicing for the wedding. I stand, kiss the gravestones, and head back to town. Where the hell have you been? Inside the bright white tent where Nico prepares to walk down the aisle, he directs people to their places. 
The wreaths go here. The chairs aren't straight. Could someone do something about the wind? No? Why the hell not? His face is flushed red. I've seen him look down the barrel of a gun and not been so anxious. I was visiting Cass and Lobo. Oh? Asking for their blessing on my behalf? He says, fixing his hair in front of a stand-up mirror. I don't know about Cass, but I know Lobo's happy for you. He turns to look at me, trying and failing to keep himself together. You think? He loved you, does love you. Cass, on the other hand, he smiles. Well, who could get on that old cuss's good side anyway? He turns back to the mirror, undoes and redoes his bow tie, making sure it's absolutely straight, until finally he turns back to me and extending his arm says, Well, what do you think? Truthfully, he looks great. I don't know where he stole the black tux, but it fits him perfect. And I'm sure he painstakingly researched exactly how long before the wedding he should shave so his stubble would be just the right amount of dashing for the big day. I give him the so-so sign. Not bad. He laughs. Screw you. The ceremony takes place a little downriver from town, where the ground is loamy and green, and the waterfall is far enough away that we can hear each other fine. The chairs have been arranged to create an aisle down the middle. Lena stands, leaning on a cane, at the end of the aisle, atop a low dais, dressed in purple vestments. I'm at the foot of the dais, on Nico's side, the only official family he has, besides the creature. But Rainer won't have any proper family showing up for the ceremony, so I suppose Nico might count himself lucky. Even so, much of the town is there, crowding into the seats or finding good enough places to stand and watch. The band leader clears her throat. The crowd quiets. And the music starts. At the other end of the aisle, Nico and Rainer appear from behind two screens, made of trellises on either side of the aisle. They meet and entwine their arms and walk down the aisle together. When they reach us, Nico wraps me in a hug before turning to face Rainer again. We are gathered here today to witness the union of Nico Moreno and Rainer Hightower, announces Lena in a bright, churchy voice. In my life, I have joined quite a few good people in marriage, but this might be the first time I've had the pleasure of marrying two actual heroes. When it's time to exchange the rings, Nack appears at the end of the aisle with the creature in his arms. She's dressed in a periwinkle dress and wears a wreath like a crown on her head. In her chubby, clumsy hands, she holds a small box that she drops at least three times and once hurls several rows into the seats to the delight of everyone as Nack carries her down the aisle. When they finally reach us, Nico takes the creature in his arms and spins her around. She laughs gleefully and drops the box again, which Nack deftly scoops up and hands to Rainer, before taking his spot as his best man. Nico holds the creature through the ceremony. She's between them when they kiss for the first time as a married couple, and he only gives her up, depositing her into my arms, when the music starts up again and the dancing commences. Late that night, most everyone has returned to their homes, drunk, exhausted, happy. Nico, Rainer, Nack, and I stick around. The night has grown quiet, disturbed only by the distant sound of the waterfall, the bright trickle of the river rushing by, and the occasional cricket chirping somewhere in the grass. 
Rainer rests his head against Nico's shoulder, clutching a half-empty bottle of snake bite by the neck. I rise from my seat and head down to the water. Nack begins to follow me, but I tell him there's no need, and he gratefully slumps back into his chair, more asleep than awake. Down by the river, the moon shines bright and silver. It's a warm night. Storks balance on one leg among the reeds. In my arms, the creature looks up at me, the light of the moon reflected in her eyes as if she's waiting for me to say something. We often spend nights like this alone, when one or the both of us can't sleep. Then I'll take her on a walk around town, or sometimes we'll just sit in a chair on the porch or go down to the water, and I'll talk to her like she's my diary. Lobo once told me that time is like a river, and we are like leaves caught in the current. Sometimes when I look in the water, I feel like I can see myself, old and wizened like Lobo and Cass when I met them, and you, a grown woman. I imagine teaching you to ride, to not be afraid of going fast. I imagine counseling you through your first crushes, your first love. I imagine answering every question you ever ask me and telling you again all the stories you're too young to understand now. And one day, when you're old enough, I'll teach you how to catch bullets because it can't die with me. And even if one day everyone throws down their guns, we can't ever forget the way things were when people spoke in the language of force and violence. The one thing I've learned in this life is that while time moves forward, we do not always move forward with it. We ebb and flow all on our own. We rise when we help each other and we sink when too many people think only of themselves. Because there's one thing that's certain in this world that the old ways fall away and are replaced with the new. Not always because the old ways were bad and the new ways are good, but because the new ways are stronger and even worse. But if we remember, in my arms the creature yawns and stretches its chubby arms, like a cat trying to find just the right spot so it can fall back asleep. The very sight of her makes me smile. My mysterious creature, my wolf cub. What are you two doing down there? Nack says, coming up behind me. Just talking. We just go on standing there, watching the water rush by. Dada! The creature complains, struggling in my arms. I pass her to Nack, who takes her in his arms and snuggles her close. She laughs, just being in his arms. Don't you think it's about time we gave her a name? Nack says, after she's quieted down. I've been thinking on that, I say. Tell me. What about... Pass? Pass. He repeats the name as though trying it out. What do you think about that? He asks the creature. Do you like the name? But she's sound asleep. One big snot bubble threatening to burst against her tiny nostrils. I think she likes it, Nax says, smiling. I wipe her nose. Nack hands her back to me, and I hold her close as we walk back up the shore. Get your rest, cub, I whisper into her ear. There's still a long way before the end. For Paul, who was the ocean. You're listening to Bullet Catcher Season 3 
by Joaquin Lowe. Produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Bullet Catcher is written by Joaquin Lowe, produced by Marco Palmieri, and executive produced by Molly Barton. Performed by Inez Del Castillo. Audio produced, directed, and designed by Amanda Rose Smith. Additional editing by Corey Barton. Original theme composed by Hashem Asadolahi, with performances by Justin Morell and Josh Deutsch. Cover art by Christine Barcelona.